Welcome to another episode of the Tokenet Podcast. I am your host-ish, <laughs> Editor-in-Chief, Paula Gatos, and with me for this very beginning is Nick. Hey, everybody. <laughs> um, so this is kind of like a special, it was another kind of special interview episode, like what we did with the folks from Robots. And I wanted to chat with Nick real quick before we do this episode, which is a brief interview with Xander Cannon, the creator of Kaiju Max. And this interview was take, taking place, uh, I think, day one of, no, day two of San Diego Comic-Con this past week, summer, whatever. Um, there's only one San Diego Comic-Con, and it's a beast. <laughs> Uh, would you want to go next year, Nick? No, I'm good. <laughs> no? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's huge. It was really funny whenever I started thinking about um, Comic-Con, because everyone that I know was like, oh, it's so cool, you're going to Comic-Con. And I'm like, don't go if you don't like conventions. <laughs> <laughs> because it's huge, and it's exhausting, and it's still a lot of fun, but... It's also work, so I was really happy to be able to just have the opportunity to sit down with Xander Cannon in person because, Nick, you and I have reached out to him before for Comics Corner. Yes, we have. Yep. Um, Whatchamacallit. So you, in particular, uh, have, was reading Kaiju Max for Comics Corner, and I talked to Xander. I mentioned you a lot because you're the one that basically does the coverage for Comics Corner, and he really likes your coverage. Oh, really? Personally, yeah. Like, I mentioned him a lot. You know, it was like, really nice to meet you and all that stuff, and you'll hear it in this episode where, and we bring you up a lot, mainly just because he really liked that review of, mm -hmm. of, of Kaiju Max, you know, issue one. In particular, a little bit what you said about code switching was the last thing you expected. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I brought that up, too, because I'm like, yeah, this was really surprising. Mm -hmm. and it was kind of in my brain the whole time uh, while I was chatting with him. Mm -hmm. Like, for, for those who haven't read the, the articles and the interview yet on... Shame Tokenet, on you. I mean, well, people, people have time. They don't... Uh-huh. <laughs> um, what did you briefly think about? Kaiju Max and, and the stuff that Xander Cannon. Kaiju Max, I remember when we first started the Comics Corner, and one of the ideas was to do something that was finished. Mm -hmm. you know? And <clears throat> I think we started it like a month after season one wrapped up. Right. So I was like, let me take a look at this thing that everyone's been talking about. You know, because that was like a good opportunity to take a look at it, because earlier it wasn't on my regular list. Mm -hmm. So I just decided to read all six issues you know, for that uh, first uh, column. And it was really interesting. And the thing that, you know, everyone's going to tell you, because it's the most immediate comparison, is like, it's Godzilla meets Oz or The Wire. Mm -hmm. I think season one is Godzilla meets Oz, and season two is Godzilla meets The Wire. But, um, because you know, it's a prison drama. Right. And it has all of the hallmarks of prison drama. And when I say all, I mean all. Like, it gets into the nitty-gritty it gets into some scary territory with that. But it also, you know, you see his art. It's very bright, very vibrant, very uh, kind of soft and cartoony. 
So that's not something you expect with a book like that. So you have that element of dissonance where like what you're reading doesn't connect really with what you're seeing. Right. But, and so it creates a unique reading experience. You know, it's just, there's, there's levels to Kaiju Max. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the fun level, like look at all of his designs because he's one of those artists in a, Jared Williams, who did a Hyperforce Neo, he's another one mm-hmm. where every page and every panel is packed with original characters and concepts and things that may not even get used or be important later on. But, you know, it, it, he creates like a fully inhabited world. So, you know, it's dense visually. Mm-hmm. And also, there's that level. Then there's the references, you know. And as someone who's been into this stuff, mostly for all of my life, and definitely for most of recent memory, you know, there's a lot of stuff where all the slang terms are like tokusatsu and kaiju-based words. Like Red King, who is a monster from Ultraman, Red King is a vulgar word in kaiju match, you know, stuff like that. Then I think the, the crime boss in season one, his name is Gorilla Whale, or something like that, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's what Gojira means. And so that's like the the role he serves. You know, he's the old crime boss with the goofy son. Everyone respects him, but there's like this new generation coming up and stuff like that. So it's a very dense visually, it's very dense as far as references are concerned. Mm-hmm. And especially getting into season two, it's very dense as far as, you know, thematically. With social issues, because you know, spoiler alert, season one ends with a uh, prison break, so to speak, mm-hmm. as far as kaiju can do something like that. Right. And uh, you know, season two is concerned with things going on in the real world, and so we meet like a uh, red humongo, who is season one. We meet green humongo, and his brother red humongo is on parole. So through his life, you see, you know, what it's like for someone out of prison to have to re-enter the workforce and how they're seen, you know, in here, it's a kaiju max, it's 60 feet tall. I mean, it's a kaiju, sorry. It's like 60 feet tall and everyone's staring at him and everyone's like, oh, we don't want you around here and stuff like that. But, and you know, this is the nature of, and I'm probably using the wrong word here, forgive me, uh, allegory where, Mm. you know, you see something through, I guess, an easily, more easily digestible lens that you then you ruminate on and you think about and you apply it to the real world. So you understand, like, a big thing now is voting rights for ex-cons where, you know, should people who have made a mistake but they've served their so-called debt to society be able to have their rights back? And that's a big debate for some people. So Kaiju Max touches on that, like how we treat people who, uh, you know, get out of prison. Because that's the thing is a lot of people don't understand is ostracization when you get out of prison is a very easy way to get someone back into prison. Mm-hmm. You won't hire someone who's been to prison. If they can't get a job, they're going to make money the only way they know how, which is the thing that got them there in the first place. Right. And so that's, you know, that's part of Kaiju Max. Then you have something like internalized oppression, which you see with uh, Mechazon's sister, Chisato, who's mm-hmm. on the police force. She, on Team uh, Great, I think? Yeah, something like which, that. Which is kind of like his take on the Henshin Heroes part of uh, yeah, that yeah. world. Like, your common Riders, your Super Sentais, your, you know, 
team-based stuff. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, in this interview, I mean, it's been a week now as of the recording of this opening. This It's been a week now since Comic-Con, and I still – it's been such a whirlwind. It's kind of, like, hard to kind of wrap my mind around what, you know, we actually talked about because we talked at the Omni Press booth on the exhibit hall floor. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was like this tiny, tiny room. And the funny part about that is they were like, oh, we're holding him. The Oni Press team is going to hold a meeting here afterwards. So I was like, mm. oh, no. So if it does, if the interview itself sounds a little rushed, that's probably like Xander and I were both looking at the looking at the at the door of that of the mm. room we were at, just like waiting to see whether or not they'll tell us, like, you guys got to stop talking to each other, even <laughs> though your conversation's so good. Yeah. Well, like you were saying, that allegory may have been the wrong word, and I and I think you're right because I I remember one of the things that we talked about in this interview is definitely, and you'll hear it. Don't worry, we're gonna get there. Uh, is is that he didn't want to make like a one to one comparison, like this means that specifically. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's not allegory. I do remember I remember what Tolkien was talking about when he talks about you know Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. He doesn't want to make allegory. He wants to make applicability. Mm-hmm. And so things that apply, yes, this can apply, but it, it does. It's not like a one-to-one comparison. Like this doesn't mean that because I, I what I like that he, Xander mentions is that that's not that's not his job. It would be irresponsible for him to do that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you're such a good man. <laughs> <laughs> he's my impression of him was like one of the sweetest person that I've met, and he's so. I'm gonna probably sing his praises a little too much where it might be inappropriate, but. <laughs> he was really really great um and he had like a, a a table at artist alley and he's he's probably one of the most generous pers- like creators that i've known and mm-hmm. in, in terms of you're in comic-con in general and it's such a big thing and it's such a whirlwind uh it's nice to be able to just kind of just sit and chat with someone who's very just down to earth that kind of thing Mm-hmm. And so, if, if it's one thing for me to implore you, if you ever want to come to Comic Con or any like conventions of that sort, like you should just meet. <laughs> if, if if at any point Xander Cannon is anywhere on the East Coast, that mm-hmm. t- t- for you to interview him and chat with him, I totally, totally am gonna try to make that happen because he definitely sung your praises in terms of what you what you saw in his work and mm-hmm. and how we covered it. And so, yeah, I'm super glad that we got this opportunity to talk with him. And I'm really glad that you guys get to hear it as well. So I do want to thank everybody at Oni Press for the opportunity to do so. And I definitely want to thank you, Nick, for covering Kaiju Max like you have. Oh, thank you. It's, uh, it's been fun, you know? Yeah, it's a good it's a Good, good series. Uh, season two yeah. is currently out now, um, and definitely pull it on your pull lists at your local comic book store. I know I have it on my pull list, that's for sure. Um, and the trade volume one, season one, volume one is available on Amazon, so you can definitely find that on there if you want to do a quick catch up. And it's also on Comicsology if you're more of the digital comics kind of folks. So yeah, definitely enjoy this interview with Xander Cannon and myself at San Diego Comic-Con on the exhibit hall floor. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Nick. All right. My pleasure.
just kind of going whichever ones you know I get invited to or, or stuff like that because it's like because I'm I'm a dad and you know and a husband and I need to sort of like not like just take off when right. you know when my wife works full time and all that stuff so uh, how many kids do you have? Uh, uh, one uh, my son well my son Jin is uh, is adopted from Korea and that was one of the things that got me started on this was that like I was looking around at all the cartoons and stuff like that and I was like white kid white kid white kid white kid I wanted an Asian hero for him to and I mean you know and of course Asian is so broad but like but I but I saw Ultraman uh, at the at the thing and I was like this would be fun and of course it's fun for me too but like and he got so into it you know and he I would drop him off uh, at daycare and he would give me the little beam you know as like I was as like a bi dad and you know and the daycare people were like is that some sort of like weird cultural thing? And I'm like, it's not a weird cultural thing. It's an awesome pop cultural thing. Yes, <laughs> um, could grab my questions here in case I get lost. Um, which one call it? Well, I wanted to ask, like, now that now that you mentioned your son, who's super into Ultraman, like I have an only child as well, and uh-huh. so and you know I'm Filipino American, and so any even seeing like any kind of like Asian representation, even as not Filipino. I'm like, oh, it's me. Yeah. It's me. It's right. So it's really, really great. So how, in terms of, I'm going to jump right in here. Like, have you noticed a change now that, like, people like Shout Factory and Hulu and, and Crunchyroll have all the... A, yeah, a little bit. And I, he, you know, well, and that's, I mean, that's really great that it's so available. Um, uh, and just that generally, in general, like, even, you know, American stuff tends to be a little bit more... Uh, Diver, you know, diverse, or if it's not, people would call them out on it for right. once, right. you know. Uh, and I think that that's, I think that helps him. He's still young that he wouldn't really notice that much, you know. I mean, he does, but, you know. Um, but he goes to a fairly diverse school, and so, like, there's, there, there isn't really that much. I don't know that he's hungry for it yet, but, you know, that's coming. That's <laughs> uh, so I wanted to ask you, how did you get into Tokusatsu in the first place? Like, is an, uh, kaiju, at the end of Kaiju Pass, you have, like, the kaiju questions and highlighting, you know, the different sh- uh, movies and things like that. So what got you started getting into Tokusatsu fandom and how did that come into your... I mean, other than the fact that, like, growing up reading comics and, and seeing movies and, you know, like, I always liked all that stuff. But it was... It really has been only in the last decade that I that it's, like, I started to go, like... Oh, I really like the, you know. Oh, I like these Godzilla movies. They're okay, but then when I got watched Ultraman, it's just like, oh, Ultraman is much more my style. Like it's because it's sillier and it doesn't make any. It makes a lot less sense, and you know, it's not so sort of like, oh, this is a dreary, you know, like metaphor for nuclear war or whatever. Um, and and that and of course, like I also think too when I'm watching it to like basically s- steal ideas or you know or to write a review of it, then it's it's fun to look at it from something other than just a pure enjoyment because I mean there's the pure enjoyment but also sometimes that doesn't let you know because not all these I hate to break it to people but it's not not all these movies are very good (laughs) you know but it's fun to sort of go to be in a mindset where you're looking for the tropes and you're looking for all the all the shared history of that stuff and and uh and so it's kind of funny that it's been kind of more of an adult and an adult obsession rather than something that I've always that I've always loved with that intensity. I loved, I liked it as a kid, but it was, you know, but it was only so available. I mean, I'm 43, so it's like <laughs> in 1980, 
three, you couldn't find that stuff other than an odd Godzilla movie here and there. Or like the, the VHS kind of slipped between, between exchanging hands. Yeah. Like Do you yeah. remember the first kaiju movie that you've seen? Um, yeah, it was actually the um, the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, oh, wow. which is the American, it's, the, it's an American movie mm-hmm. uh, that was like a year before Godzilla. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's totally a different thing. It's, it's, stop, it's stop motion. It's, uh, you know, it's it's all that stuff. And um, and I remember the biting the policeman and the little kicking legs, like, and I, horrified. I was, you know, like yeah. this is that's like that's like splatterpunk for you know for an eight year old or whatever. Yeah. Like for me when I was growing up, like I I watched all my I, Nick, who is our senior writer, is um, our was more of our kaiju Ultraman guy, and most of the time we focus on uh, uh, like Super Sentai and Henshin Heroes and things like that, and that's where I kind of came up. And so you had Team Great in. Hi, Max. Will we see more of Team Great? Oh yeah, yeah. I, Team Great is really fun because, I mean, it, they're almost kind of a catch-all for every for everything beyond like Kamen Rider, Super Sentai, you know, uh, Shogun Warriors, uh, you know, uh, Space Battleship Yamato, like all that stuff. <laughs> you know, Robotech, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, Macross, and I mean it's, and so that's really fun to be able to sort of take all those types of designs and then have a color scheme across all of them so that you just can kind of think oh well, they've got every kind of ship and every kind of battle armor uh, so when did you begin developing kaiju when did that um, first that was uh, let's see it was a couple I mean it was a couple of years before it came out and I, I talked I talked oh. casually to James and, and Charlie too about uh, about getting you know you know I, I thought about I wanted to do a monster Thing, but that was just my general idea. What did they do when they weren't rampaging? Right. You know, because uh, I was kind of, I was kind of like the idea that people would say like, oh, well, Godzilla's the good one and King Ghidra's the bad one, and then but Godzilla and Baragon are friends or whatever, whatever. Right. And uh, and I was like, well, yeah, they are because they kind of growl at each other or whatever. But I kind of, I was like, well, what if they talked and what would they talk about it? And then I thought, well, that's not much of a story. So, uh, you know, so I had to come up with like a, a genre to sort of put it into. So I prison I was one of them <laughs> so um, and then I had started to pitch when I had started to pitch it around I had originally had it was originally a little bit more of a science fiction thing where there's a little bit more of a an overarching story and why this had happened in a backstory and then I thought ah, that stuff's very interesting like it's just it's just sci-fi it's like sci-fi world building which as I get older is so tiresome <laughs> whereas I thought but if I kept it all about the tropes of prison and monster movies and made it a satire mm-hmm. of, you know, of that world, it becomes so much more interesting. And there's no writing myself into a corner where I have to explain how a monster's flame breath works or right. some nonsense like that. Right. Um, and so, and but I had come up with this idea and I liked it, but Charlie Chu was the one who really was like, no, we have to do this. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, it's an idea, whatever. And he's like, no, we have to do <laughs> to do this like I think that he was more aware that there was a that there was a, this love of kaiju and love of tokusatsu stuff that was out there that I just wasn't really aware of it's like I just love it so I was going to do something and, but he was like no like I think Pacific Rim was about to come out and you know and so he's like it's time it's time for this to happen so and the world building for Pacific Rim is just so it's it's less about you know where do these things come from and how do they work and what does happen and more about how people are dealing with it on the everyday right and i think that kind of integration with kaiju max is also the reason why when i started reading it because nick was like we have to, we have to talk to to to, to xander 
um, was that when I finally started reading it, it was like, oh, this is this is kind of like the it it makes it so that it's not this far off concept. Like sometimes when I think about uh, kaiju and how sometimes it can be very inaccessible to mm-hmm. most people because like it's either oh it's not that great sometimes <laughs> or this is a little janky. It's it's hard to kind of bring it down to bring it down to earth. Right, right. On a day-to-day thing. So when we talked about when when Nick talked about code switching, and that was like the last place that we we thought (laughs) that we had to like do that. So can you can you talk about like how did you develop kind of like the dialogue and the interaction between all different kaiju's and their relationship with the humans? Well, there's that quote, and I'm not I'm going to say it wrong, but Ishiro Honda has that quote about like that the monsters are they're too big they're too heavy they're too something something that is their tragedy and i i like i don't i hadn't heard that quote when i started it but i like the idea that it's like that it's about characters who are unwanted and and so i mean that when i thought of the prison thing it's like okay well ex-cons are about the most unwanted people in the world and i mean and you know when you think about violent criminals that's one thing but the war on drugs has a whole bunch of people that are really just you know just kind of down on their luck who now can never be get a proper job again and and i and you know and so that's very easy to sort of like transpose into like oh these giant monsters who are getting you know smashing things or or whatever but can't but can't not smash things because they're enormous and i i liked you know and i mean obviously i can tie it into real world things and real world racial things but i didn't i never wanted to be one to one because one i think that's a little pro- problematic when you say like this giant smashing monster it corresponds to this race of people is terrible but i but i wanted to sort of say like an unwanted person and and a and a and a kaiju you know can kind of there's there's some similarities there and we can kind of see that like you know, if you want to try to get along in a world that doesn't really welcome you, you have to adjust your, I, you are expected to adjust your behavior, whether that's right or wrong. And, um, and, I, and, I, and I also have to sort of like step back my own sort of morality from it and try to, and, and not try to like pound a point into people's heads because I don't think that's good storytelling. I think that it's good to examine things from all, from all points of view, um, you know, and get across my ideas as well, you know. Of like start that dialogue in in, in ways that they help. Like that's for me, I think one of the greatest things about reading Kaiju Max and why I'm recommending it to so many people is that it like no, not only do you get like the, the cool kaiju aspect of it, like you get to really just talk about the conversations like each kaiju has and the relationship between just each other and the people that you're dealing with and the, how humans interact with them. And it, there's there's times now that I'm watching, you know, Super Sentai and like you know. I think we're watching a Ultraman orb now that right, yeah. it's on Crunchyroll. <laughs> yeah. And at one point, Ultraman just like leaps out of the way, and the, like the guys, uh, the the kaiju's beam hits a building. We're like, those people are dead now. <laughs> I, how do we how do we deal with that? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, you you deal with it hopefully in the way that uh, that. Um, Pacific Rim dealt with it, where it's like we have to evacuate Hong Kong. Oh, 30 minutes later, we did it. Yeah. Good thing. All these buildings are completely <laughs> empty. Smash them up. <laughs> I think there was one. Um, they they did like. Uh, oh, I forgot which movie we were watching. Of course, now that it's it's pertinent to this conversation. Right. <laughs> um, but that I think they did the whole like. Oh, do a bio scan. Is anybody? We were watching Star Trek. Star oh. Trek Beyond. They did like do a bio scan of where if anybody's there. It's like no civilians are there. So if they die, they were there because they were military and it's okay. <laughs> So we notice a glimmer of hope in the first three issues of season two. Uh, 
uh, like there are people who recognize kind of the injustice with the kaiju. Do you see this kaiju mask kind of building towards a happier ending? Um, I don't. Is you know, an the, end in sight? yeah. Well, there's not an end in sight. My plan is to go 36 issues, so that's okay. six six seasons of six issues, okay. which I'd be hey, that would be great. That'd uh, be a great way to spend six years. Yes. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, the, an ending. Every there's all these stories, and they all have endings. But it's like there's no. I've tr I've tried to resist the idea of having a mythology. Tried to re resist the idea of having a big reveal. It's more about. The, the world that people live in, much like the world that we live in, is, you know, it's unfair, and there's and there's a lot of sadness and stuff. And really, the the idea is, well, where do you find your own, where do you find your own happiness, and where do you find your own sort of like satisfaction and like, you know, ability to sort of like live as a as a fully fledged person, and uh, and that's what this is about. And I mean, not to. It's again. It's a silly comic about giant monsters, so you don't want to get too heavy. But I also, but I like the idea that it's like, especially. I mean, when it's framed in terms of prison, I like that prison narratives are sort of saying like, this is this this is this terrifying world that we live in, and you have to find these little little scraps of happiness where you can. And those scraps of happiness are are, are important. Like that that you hold on to them and and uh, and and try to. Um, and, you know, and, you, and don't just give in to despair or whatever. I mean, I think um, I, my previous book is called Heck, um, and it was and it was a little bit about that sort of. I, I was writing that. I did a TED talk about that, but I was writing that during a very difficult time in my life, and it was and that what it was what it was like, where you had to sort of like find the little scraps of happiness because that's what that's what life is about. You know, you can't just expect. Nobody lives happily ever after. You know, you just you you try you try to make a difference where you can, and you try to have some happiness where you can, and that's and that's what it's about. I ask you like how was giving a TED talk? <laughs> my well, cousin works for uh, uh, TEDx and kind of a mm -hmm. student coordinator when she was in college. And so, uh, how was that giving a TED talk? And, and how yeah, well, it's a, it was a TEDx and it was at my old, uh, it was my alma mater at my at Grinnell College in Iowa, and so it was really cool. I mean, it was really neat. Like it, uh, it was, it was fun to go back and see some of the professors that I'd had, and, and uh, but I'm not a public speaker, so I, you know, it was really nerve wracking, and they didn't have a teleprompter where, that I could read off of, so I had to memorize this. 14-minute speech, and it's that was terrifying because I'm no I'm no I'm not great at memorizing things either. <laughs> uh, so, um, so that aside, and the clunkiness of my delivery aside, it was really fun. I mean, it was really it was really neat, and it's it's interesting to get that feedback when you say something funny or you know oh that I didn't expect a laugh at that point, or I did expect a laugh at that right. point. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, and it was a it was an emotional talk so uh, I remember thinking like I have to rehearse this a hundred million times and I'm telling a sad like a sad part of it and every single time I would choke up and I couldn't and, and I was thinking what am I gonna have to fake it if I you know like no but it's like nope it, <laughs> every single time it was like oh yeah it's not going away <laughs> um, so I know you, you mentioned heck and that was nominated for yeah. Uh, how did that getting uh, Heck being part of Eisner's versus Kaiju being part of How did that feeling? Is there a difference in that feeling? Well, I mean, I, so I was I did a comic called Top Ten with Alan Moore and Sheena Ha, and that and that won two Eisners, and so it was like, which was awesome. But you know, you also have this feeling inside where you're like, 
yeah, that's not my Eisner. I, I have one on my wall, but it's that's Alan and Gene's Eisner, you know. And so getting nominated for Heck was like, wow, this is really, you know, this is really great. Like, it feels very validating and stuff. And I mean, I didn't have a prayer because I was up against uh, Jeff Smith. So, <laughs> and I, I have no problem with that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, but again, yeah, it's like the same thing where you just sort of feel like, okay, yeah, that's nice that it's for something that I, an experience that I engineered, you know, myself. That's nice. Um, so, I, I, you have like such a very varied cast of giant monsters and characters. You have one of your favorites, like, that you just love just drawing. Um, the, the easiest ones to draw are always the most fun. <laughs> well, it is, and it is funny that I keep just, whenever I design them, I'm like, this one has to just be one color because I can never remember. You know, like, it's, I've got to keep them all straight in my head and mm-hmm. I'm always kind of forgetting. And also, I have, a, I have a color assistant and he's like, I'm sure he's just like, you forgot the stripe that's white or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I like, uh, I like the green humongo, the rapping, you know, I like that he's a, a rapper, although every time he has to rap, I'm like, oh, that's like two days of writing, you know, f- figuring out the rhymes, yeah. Um, I like the, the creature from Devil's Creek, the goat. People are, people are like, well, what's going to happen to the, the big goat? Even when I opened the first, like, when I started reading, I opened that first, I'm like, oh no, oh. <laughs> The little goat guy. My child, he's so precious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my immediate reaction and he's uh, and it's fun to, uh, the third season is going to be mostly about him like he, you know he's going to be kind of the hero this is my that. excited face I don't yeah. know yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah and, I mean I really I really do enjoy drawing you know drawing all of them it's really it's really fun to how did that process work like what would you say was, is, is your kind of process with creating uh, characters for your it's like, well, people are like, oh, why do you do it with such a, you know, such a cartoony style like that? And, and part of that is just like a fast read. You know, you just want to, you want to communicate things as quickly as you can. And so extra, extraneous details, one, take, take a while. But two, it's like you want people to be able to go like, oh, I see what this goat, he's like the go, giant goat who's kind of like a, like a cryptid, you know. Oh, I see that, uh, that these humongous are meant to be like the, the gargantuas or what, you know. And so... Um, yeah, creating these characters, and I kind of create them too from from an ease of storytelling standpoint. You know, like I'm I'm always sort of creating them kind of on the page because uh, because there's so many that I can't I can't I can't have sheets for them. You know, as well. That's just hard. That's just tough to keep track of. So I'm just I kind of I kind of will design them on the page as they fit into panels and what and like what like. If the begin, if the opening shot is sort of like an over-the-shoulder shot, it's like, well, what can I draw on them that sort of like reveals something about them? You know, scales or horns or something right. like that. Like and what interesting shapes can. Yeah, so that that shot is really interesting, and I mean, I probably work myself into corners that way, but it, <laughs> but it is, it's fun, and I and and I mean, it's not like. It's not like anyone's gonna. I mean, it's accepted that all these monsters are gonna look kind of dumb. Like they might look slightly awe-inspiring, but mm-hmm. mostly dumb. You know. <laughs> Do you have any um, past inspiration? When it, you said you definitely have a cartoony style, which I love. Um, Do you have any? What was your inspirations coming up and, and, and picking up art and learning? Um, so many comics from the 80s. You know, when I was, I probably didn't start reading comics until I was maybe 12 years old or something. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, 
Sergio Aragones, you know, like, and then, but then all the sort of popular sort of superhero artists of the, of the, uh, of the 80s like like well alan davis is a is a really he has sort of a cartoony but but dynamic style um uh david Mazzucchelli. kelly there was a, an australian cartoonist named phil barlow who they've recently started redoing his stuff in island magazine which i'm really excited about which is and uh and it just there were so many i really liked that that was when there were a lot of indie comics and you were starting to see things that weren't just superman and batman it was like the Flaming Carrot and like uh, Ralph Snart Adventures and you know all sorts of crazy uh, crazy stuff so I um, but yeah it was all about American comics like I hadn't I, I didn't really get a lot of not so there wasn't so much manga that had come over there wasn't so much you know I would see some European stuff but you know mostly like the very cool like indies and yeah yeah or mainstream Marvel and DC stuff yeah <laughs> Um, so, a couple of last questions. Uh, are there any shows or films you would like to see, like, come over here? Like, you know, we're getting Shin Godzilla, the new Godzilla come over yeah. Is there any other uh, shows that you would like to see come, like, like you mentioned, like, Shatmaku to pick up? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm always fi- trying to find new Ultraman stuff. <laughs> like, I'm so glad that Crunchyroll has, like, Ultraman Orb. and so, I'm, I, I'm trying to finish um, Ultraman Mabius, which mm-hmm. is, that's one of my favorites. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I think it's. I'm. Tr- I'm always trying to find extra like sen- Super Sentai and um, and Common Rider. Common Rider never seems to come over at all. We're, I think one of the biggest goals for us is to like talking about uh, you know crunchy role and stuff like that. Like get people to watch more Ultraman so that we can argue for hey Ultraman's really popular. So <laughs> Super Sentai and Shadow Factor get more Common Rider. Right. You know? Right. Do you have a favorite Common Rider? Like, um. Well, well, I do like. I've I've seen bits of Common Rider Forzy, and I've, I saw the I saw that Common uh, Rider versus Super Sentai like super duper battle, yes. which which was like every Common Rider yeah. and every <laughs> Super Sentai and like 500 people battling, and I mean that was that was great. Have I you mean, seen any of uh, I've seen some I've seen some clips, okay. but uh, yeah, I don't know I don't know if I. I just saw, I think I just saw the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. I do like that they could combine they combine them into mm-hmm. whatever like because it's an anniversary series and the, the running joke is that now that you've have you seen the the Kamen Rider versus Super Sentai, it's the anniversary series for Sentai. It's like you know steal our senpai's powers and be rude to them. Kamen Rider is like fight our senpais and Ultraman's like ask your senpais nicely <laughs> for their powers. <laughs> ask them really nicely. So yeah, you have the the combiner. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought so, I think that's so. I mean, I think that's so great. And I mean, uh, yeah, I, I would, I would, I, and I would love if that stuff. E- either if Crunchyroll would have some sort of like streaming service mm-hmm. or like a you know like an app. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they do. Don't they? Do they? Uh, they have one. They have it through Chromecast. Right oh, now. okay. Yeah, so you can do the Chromecast and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and you can definitely still watch it on on their website proper. Yeah, so I've, I've done. Yeah, I've done that. And, but I mean, it's like I need to pay for it because there's so many ads. Like it's just can, I can barely stand it. <laughs> we should give you a premium pass. Oh, a guest pass. That pass. would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, we uh, actually does like to to help support Orb and, and stuff like that. We do like a live tweet. Like, oh. you know, press play and come watch it with us. And, and so oh, so we really. Oh, that would be in. cool. That'll be really fun. I, definitely, I would, I would love it. Yep. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Uh, so last time you said that uh, in our last interview on Tukinet, uh, you said Godzilla would beat Ultraman. Do you think Gamera will beat? Godzilla? Oh yeah, Gamera. I don't know. 
Gamera. Well, but the latest issue is all my all my Gamera jokes into one <laughs> into one thing, and I and I've always sort of like I'm always been annoyed with Gamera because it's like all those kids just believe in him, but it's like he's just crushing things. But they're like but they're like no Gamera, yeah, all that boat, yeah, no big deal, he's just crushed it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Gamera versus yeah, I think Godzilla would be Gamera. Godzilla's yeah. kind of like becoming the king of everything. Yeah, but Ultraman versus Jet Jaguar on the other. Oh, no, that is a fight I would love to see. <laughs> if I would yeah. Um, have you read any? Well, kind of like the wrap down question. Like, have you read any of the Ultraman manga? No, I've seen them. I think that they. And I remember seeing a motion comic of them, and I thought that that was kind of cool and well done. But yeah, it's it's weird. It's, it seems very um, like he's a because he's robotic yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. And well, uh, I actually wanted to ask in terms of that because. Uh, in the Ultraman manga, they're kind of bringing it down to like person to person level rather than any kaiju fights. Uh-huh. And so we have, so you have the. Uh, will, will we see any more of that in any kind of like just down to earth, uh, like, like uh, kaiju fight, like human size fight? Human. Uh, yeah, well, I have I have a, I have a uh, issue plan that's called uh, Small Time Criminals, which would be all the small, like pigman like characters in, in the prison, okay. and. Uh, yeah, but that would be more, and maybe there would be some sort of red man character who would murder them. Or... Yeah, we would. Oh my god, our our staff has been like sending each other the red man like clips over and over. It's like I just want a show with this guy, and every like I just going, why are you doing this? Why are you so mean? Yeah, so uh, Justin Mullis who's a friend of mine on Facebook, and it's like he was he was posting that, and it's like. Yeah, where where has this been all my life? This is the best. I really would love to see like a total red man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll, yeah. we'll keep a close eye yeah. on that. So yeah, so thank you so much. Well thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Tokenet Podcast, the official podcast of the Tokusatsu Network. If you like what you hear, you can help us out by leaving a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It lets us know how we're doing and also helps others find the show. For more, you can follow us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can find interviews with your favorite tokusatsu actors. And for everything we've ever done, you can head over to our main site at tokusatsunetwork.com.